I'm Lee Craigie. And I'm Jenny Graham. We've been on three trips this year, following three of Scotland's rivers from their source to the sea. The Dee, the Tay, and now the Clyde. Travelling in a sustainable way, with bikes, pack crafts and on foot. Taking things slowly, thinking about how we might all, in small ways, change the world. Our journey along the River Clyde has brought us to Glasgow during the closing stages of the COP26 climate conference. And given us a chance to meet all sorts of interesting people. Hello, Hello. what are you up to? <laughs> and once again, we're over the moon that good friend and singer-songwriter Julie Fowlis has created a song for us to accompany our journey. From source, you drift by to a future time. At the shore, you'll turn and face the tide. So this is Lee, and it's Thursday morning, about 11 o'clock, and we've walked along the Clyde Walkway this morning on a beautiful day, really sunny, beautiful day, and we've just landed on the outskirts of Cunningar Loops. We're not far from Glasgow Green, like, which is really marks the centre of Glasgow. And I'm sitting here with Jessie Stevens, who's ridden here <laughs> from Devon. So my name's Jessie, and I'm a 17-year-old youth climate activist based in Devon. And I cycled up here to COP26, and I think it was about 570 miles. And then I've been in and out of COP doing lots of events and this week. So, yeah, it's been very interesting. Yeah, we are so excited to find out about what it's been like in Glasgow for the last week and a half because we've been sailing on the outskirts yeah. and not had a clue what's been going on. So, yeah, how's it been? Um, It's been a bit weird. I think it's been, like, there's a massive contrast to, like, what's going on in COP and then what's going on outside. And I felt that COP was, like, a really, really unfriendly place and, like, everyone's got their head down. But I think going to, like, all the marches and all the events outside has just been such a, an amazing feeling and, like, mm. powerful. So, yeah. yeah, that's interesting, because the only involvement I've had was on the Global March on Saturday and that felt anything but unfriendly. Oh, it was amazing. So it sounds like there's a real contrast between what's happening outside yeah. those gates and what's happening inside. Totally. So tell us more about Inside the Gates. <laughs> inside, inside COP? Yeah. I think there's a massive amount of greenwashing going on. And everything's really expensive in there, despite it meant to be really accessible. It's really expensive. So all the coffee's really expensive. And there's, like, these things called the pavilions where all the countries have got their own stands. And I found, I found there was a stand. The Australian stand was doing free coffee. So I went there every day getting free coffee. And then I only found out three days in that my coffee was being paid by an oil and gas company because all the stands are sponsored by fossil fuel companies. So I was like, I can't really have my coffee paid for by an oil and gas company. So... Huh. Yeah, so I think there's just massive contrast between it trying to be eco-friendly and, and pushing the, the way forward. But as someone said in a really good press conference, a UNICEF press conference, and it, it's just a place where people are getting new jobs and swapping business cards. And the amount of business cards I was given by important people, like, follow my work, do this, do that. It's not a space for collaboration, it's a space for, for friends to meet and mm. to, to, to carry on with their dodgy deals. Which is exactly what's got us into this problem in the first place, isn't it? So it's just, it feels like it's just more of the same, yeah. which feels like such a wasted opportunity, totally. doesn't it? All these people in the same place, and yet we're just ants doing the same thing. Yeah. 
and that's kind of what it feels like. You're doing cops the way they've always done, with lots of fossil fuel representatives, and actually more than I think like, there's 500 and something fossil fuel representatives or lobbyists in there, and that's more than 20 of the the world's most effective countries' delegations put together. Mm-hmm. So, so how are you ever going to move forward when the people who need the most voice and need the most space have have the least? Yeah. And I was talking to someone yesterday, it was really interesting. They were like, it's like the universe and you've got a black hole in the middle which feels like cops, so it's empty and, well, they're full of stuff, but empty and black and nothing's going on. But actually around the outside, everything's going on and I suppose the bigger that gets, the more pressure it puts within. Just bumped into Mark Estes and Mark Bowman walking over the bridge just the other side of Cunningar Loop. No way! Hello. Hello! What are you up to? We, uh, we're riding our bikes. Um. Oh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, surprise! We sort of wish that we were riding our bikes too, to be honest. <laughs> we were actually thinking about that today. Um, yeah, we are, we are cycling the boundary of Glasgow City Council. So we started in Bishop Briggs this morning and yeah, slowly but surely making our way around the outskirts of Glasgow. Mm. I think to have an adventure, but also to show people that adventures don't necessarily have to be like the massive big you go somewhere really remote in the world you can have that pretty close to your home as well like it took us about an hour on the train to get to push up bricks and now we're out and it's been a really interesting ride because we were both expecting to have like a lot of like urban scenery and it's been exactly the opposite so we've followed some Nice little gnarly tracks and nice cycleway along the Clyde. So, yeah, really, really interesting surprise. And for us too, eh? Like, of the, all the rivers that we followed from the source of the sea, this is going to be the boring one because it's, yeah. it's going to be so sort of built up and industrial. And it is industrial, but it comes in and out, doesn't it? You come in and out of the, the rural and the urban and we've had an amazing walk so far. I think there's just, just two things about this. Like, A, to inspire people to have holidays, adventures very close to home because I do think that they hopefully start treating their environment in a different way so I think the more you know your surroundings the more you appreciate them and I think the better you treat them as well so there was one incentive and also I think like making a point about responsible tourism and but not kind of telling people please don't do this and this just simply by setting an example and doing this and We've taken public transport to get to the places. All the rides have been, I think, within a 50-mile radius from Edinburgh, so we haven't really ventured further. And obviously, while we're doing it, we're on the bike, so that's a, that's a nice way of doing it. And tonight, we're going to camp as well, which is I'm really actually looking forward to that. All of us are so up for big adventures, you know, mm-hmm. the big, fancy, dramatic, romantic adventures to far-flung wild places. But it's right here, it's on our doorstep, and you get the same feeling, you get, like couple of times on the Clyde I felt as euphoric as I have you know riding hundreds of miles through Kyrgyzstan it's just about your mindset and it's just about tweaking that so that you appreciate what you've got on your doorstep and that feels to me like a really big part of this solution we need to do less I think we need to simplify slow down just take things a little bit slower and appreciate what we've got rather than always innovating and trying to go bigger and progressing more I think there's a lot to be found if we just stop for a moment to contemplate what we've really got and one thing about Glasgow they don't slow down no, walking they across don't. the road no 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 <laughs> you just yeah <laughs> it's us <laughs> the Clyde oh we're back
Hi, yeah, I'm Jen and I'm a climate scientist and it's amazing to have COP26 here in my hometown. It's like the best thing for a climate scientist, I think. My research is currently focused on Antarctic ice sheet change. However, I've taken a, a break in that to, to focus on being a climate ambassador and start looking for some of the, the solutions for our way forward to an alternative future. There is solutions. Absolutely. And I know that you've got a big announcement tomorrow. Yeah. Can you tell us what your solution, your ideas are? Absolutely. I don't know if I can summarise them quite succinctly, but the solutions I think are really simple. It just needs us to think outside the box a little bit because ultimately this box, the modern society, the, the world that we have built for ourselves is what got us in this problem in the first place. So we we do need to think outside of the box to deliver solutions. And so that's where things like systems change and uprooting the system, for example, come into play. And the thing that I'd like to highlight is that it isn't just for saving the planet. And I would like to maybe change our voice on that to saving our species, because a strong message that I've got is that it's not really about saving the planet. The planet survived extremes either way. It's really about our species as humans being able to survive on this planet we call home. Wanting to like highlight, the current system really has us in a limited mindset if you think of it in a like psychological way. And it really does. Like We've almost all been socially conditioned within this system, this modern society, to be limited in our thinking and to not be able to think outside the box, just to be able to fit in. And so that's where I guess my approach of not really caring if I fit in or not and not really minding too much if I upset the system as long as I do it in a sensitive way is, you know, highlighting the point that it's really important that this change comes from both within the system but also from upsetting it a wee bit and showing how we can do things differently. And so those are kind of the key directions that I'm really wanting to go in with it. That takes a lot, doesn't it? We're all so comfortable. I yes. mean, it's, you know, it's a comfortable uh-huh. world for us to be living in tonight. How do you communicate with people so they want to take steps towards making this change as opposed to it being something that's imposed on them that can then feel like a bit of a resentment? Absolutely. Them? So it's about getting everybody involved. And essentially there's discussions about whether it change comes from the roots up or from the top down. Have you seen anybody that's doing that within COP? Can you see anybody that's working with the system that you're talking about? You know what, I have seen so many brilliant examples and actually when it comes to COP26, I genuinely think right now we are writing the history books because... The, the energy that you feel here, anybody that was at the march or saw pictures from the march on Saturday, it was just fantastic, that energy and everybody coming together. And what was really nice about it, that from my perspective, was that it wasn't everybody marching for the climate crisis. It was everybody's, with their own purpose, with their own representation, with their own message, coming together and saying, you know what, the fundamental issue here, we can't, none of us can tackle what we're trying to if we don't do something about the climate crisis. And as a global community, the time we have left to reach net zero in order to keep within 1.5 degrees gives us currently seven and a half years. So, we are actually here. (laughs) We We are just approaching the SECC building. We've just come under some temporary barricades surrounded by police who've cornered off 
this part of Glasgow. You can get vehicles in and out, but just buses. And there does seem to be a fleet of next bikes as well here, but otherwise closed to all traffic. And there's a whole area all the way out to the Science Centre, around the back of the BBC building, all the way round to the back of the SCCC, and then up to the motorway and round that's all cornered off. There is no movement. What would it normally be like here today? So this is like the main thoroughfares. This is a national cycle network and to get between the city centre and the West End coming along the Clyde is lovely and then you go through the SCCC and you can carry on along the Clyde all the way out to Clyde Bank and that would be our normal route. But you can see just how difficult that might be right now. Um, There's a lot of temporary fencing up. There's an awful lot of fluorescent jackets and it's weirdly quiet. Like normally, there's a lot of buzz around here, but everything is just concrete. It's so, it's so quiet and odd, isn't it? So many police. Oh, hi. I'm Joe Blackman. I'm from Shrewsbury and involved with Extinction Rebellion. And I've been here for just over a week. And kind of main focus today is highlighting the number of deaths due to the failure of previous cops and also the number of deaths that are likely to happen as a result of the failure of this one. I think the thing that unites both of what we're talking about is that this is a, a social inequalities issue. Yeah, and lots of issues about access to the cop. You know, some of the people I've spoken to, their countries only have two or three reps, but the fossil fuel industry gets 500 reps in there. And that's, it's, you know, it's no surprise then that they barely mention fossil fuels in their agreements. This is apparently the first COP to even have any reference to fossil fuels in its agreement or draft, its draft agreement at the moment. I think, I believe there's something about weaning off coal. There's some reference apparently in the draft agreement to having an end date for coal, but I don't know what the date is, but they're not mentioning oil and gas, so it's, you know, that's really basic. And, like, we got the International Energy Association said earlier this year or last year said that we have to stop all new investment and exploration in fossil fuels. And they're not exactly a radical organisation, so it's, like... Yeah. You sound exasperated. You've been here for a week and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, exactly. You, I mean, how are you feeling? been campaigning for years, yeah. decades. Many people have. Loads of people here have been and campaigned outside previous climate conferences. And it's just... They're still nowhere near taking the action that needs to be taken. And with this failing, it is going to fail. It's the final evidence, if we needed it, that we can't rely on governments, that actually they're not going to deliver. It's, it's almost like they're incapable, actually, of delivering what needs to happen. If they're not going to do it here, at this specific conference about climate change, then they're not going to do it next week or next month voluntarily. So, really, we either wait another year till the next climate conference, but why should we? What? Why is that any more likely to work than this one? Or we have to take action ourselves, and that means like holding our governments to account, obstructing corporations that are 
making the problem worse. You know, for me, it means civil disobedience. We've got to mass, preferably mass. It needs to be mass civil disobedience to have enough impact because it's literally an emergency. <sighs> yeah. Oh, the deflation. Quite pleased to be back by the river. Yeah. And excited to be in it. Like, we've been on the outskirts of this conversation and it almost um, feels a bit like, you know, I live in the highlands of Scotland and, as, as we both do, like, we live in quite remote communities, don't we, really, when you see things that are happening far away. In the bigger cities, you can feel quite removed from it, can't you? So it's, like, quite nice to be here and actually feel the power, feel the stresses, you know, it's uncomfortable. Some of it's really uncomfortable, but good to feel at the same time and see for your own eyes. Yeah. We've been to a few things over the last fortnight, including the youth strike march and things, and it's been such an amazing time of people coming together on the ground. No, look. And these have all been really special events and just a, a real feeling of sort of solidarity and, and people coming together for the same cause which is always special. And music can also really bring people together and help us feel hopeful. Wednesday was just so so special. There was a real message that we were giving out through music and it was a collaboration of seven different groups of musicians coming together. Nobody knew if it would work as well as it did and it really really did. And there were just people of all ages, from tiny babies through to kids that had been taken out of school for the occasion and just to experience what it was like to come together for this kind of cause. And then there was people that had... We, we met an older lady who had travelled from the States for this fortnight and this was the sort of highlight um, of her COP26, watching Kareem uh, Power sing her absolutely inspiring and, and heartwarming song with the backing of all these percussionists and brass players and choirs and school choirs and it was just so special and then the flash mob singing the song as well that they'd all been learning for the last week or so as well it was just so unifying and so heartening to spread that message through music the way that it happened on, on Wednesday that sounds lovely. I'm so sorry that I missed it. Okay, so we are outside Big Slope, the pub in the west end of Glasgow, and we have bumped into... We haven't really bumped into you guys, have we? We've engineered this situation. <laughs> um, we've bumped into Ed and Miles from the Racing Collective, and we're really excited to see you two because... We've been doing a similar thing to Reach Cop. We've been journeying self-propelled for similar reasons. So we're just really excited to see you and to hear about your journey and what, what it's been like and what you've been up to. Yeah, hi, I'm Miles. I'm the founder of the Racing Collective and uh, also the guy behind this uh, initiative, the, the Route to Net Zero. So it's a concept of getting riders to COP26 and we created like a mainline route from London to Glasgow and encouraged everyone else, all the members of the collective, something like 5,000 members at the moment, to ride from their homes and sort of coalesce, if you like, along the route to meet in Glasgow and to call for strong climate action. 
Yeah, so route to net zero is both a physical thing in that riders have ridden from their door to COP26 in Glasgow. It's also a metaphor. We know that the route to net zero is going to be tough, it's going to be long, it's going to be inconvenient, but it's a journey that you have to take and you have to go in the right direction. And what's really concerning at the moment is that we're going in the wrong direction. And, and the thing that has to happen is people have to realise that no one is going to come and save them. I think what attracts me to the, the ultra-cycling community is I can, see, I can see in that mindset, in that determination, and, you know, it's, it's all about looking after yourself and so on. There could be that drive. If that drive is used for, for positive action on climate, I think it could be really, really beneficial for the wider community. Do you know what I can liken it to? Is like we're all endurance riders, so we've all got like we're all slightly tweaked in the way that we think about things. And I'm sure we've all been in a situation where we're trying to convince our family members that it's a really good idea <laughs> to come on this epic with us. Yeah. And we're just like, come on, it'll be fun. And it just, you know, creates so much resistance resistance and resentment and I worry that that's what's happening like we'd already bought into this yeah but perhaps on the other on the other hand you know through stripping it everything back and doing a really long walk or a long bike ride Mm -hmm. you know and demonstrating that we're achieving that kind of happiness and connection that you know we can spread that to Mm -hmm. other people Mm -hmm. and yeah it doesn't have to be as epic for them but that's the key isn't it yeah you know, as long as we keep a grip on reality and appreciate that not everybody thinks 200 yeah. miles in a day is normal. Yeah, it is, and it's, a, it's about sense-checking that, isn't it? Yeah. And making sure that we don't exclude people. Yeah, but just getting out there and, you know, forgetting about everything else you have to do and all your stuff. Yeah. And, and Lee, you, you said, oh, people know what brings them joy. But I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think it's it's quite hard to uncover what you really get joy from partly because of the advertising industry so I think that's one challenge to actually unlock and then something that kind of came along the ride was obviously a lot of the bikepacking stuff is quite expensive you know and there's a lot of kit and there was a guy who who wanted to show that it doesn't have to be expensive so he bought a £30 bike off Facebook marketplace and added some more stuff to it you know bikepacking bags and so on kept the budget super low and has had an amazing journey and he's going to now give it to someone in Glasgow and continue the adventure and so on so that gives me quite a lot of hope you'll turn and face the tide from drift back to a future time but from the shore you Oh. <laughs> That's quite disconcerting for going backwards. It feels really weird. Oh, I don't like to back. You need a seatbelt. This is fun. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> 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 oh, wow. Right, we're supposed to be having a conference. What are we talking about? <laughs> So we are um, at Freewheel North, an adaptive bike project in Glasgow Green. Um, we are currently, I'm not even sure how we're going to describe this thing, we're on a, a bike that has seven seats 
and we're all facing inwards, holding on to um, a, a metal disc. And our trusty driver, Norman, who absolutely knows what he's doing here, is steering. But the rest of us are all facing each other and pedalling. So if you can imagine, three of us are travelling backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and two of us can see what we're just about to crash into. <laughs> it's quite a lot of fun, actually. And being able to see everybody while you're... I mean, that's yeah, the thing about cycling. You can't always have a good chat, yeah. can you? This should be your next source to see. Can you, you reckon? This is how you can get back down to Devon, Jesse. Yeah, this is cool. We could totally do something like that. you say that? next Silver and the blue, the pool of northern latitude, guided by earth and moon. Silver and the blue, but the lines are Two.